Alright, alright. What is up? How's it going? Welcome once again to Drop Pass Podcast, you absolute heroes. Number five now underway, and this week's episode was delayed from the original rhythm because I wanted to see which of the remaining playoff teams would be fighting for the conference titles before releasing this episode for you to enjoy. The most exciting times for NHL and NBA fans are here, but overall the amount of games has decreased as you would expect once we start to get closer to each sport's respective finals. All the European football and hockey seasons have come to an end. World Hockey Championships found a winner last weekend. The Euros are already underway and the Summer Olympics are closer day by day. NHL and NBA are still going strong like I said and today we will look on how the remaining NHL teams are doing in the hunt for Lord Stanley and probably jinx one or two of them while we're at it. Lastly, I wanted to bite into the absolute stacked UFC 263 main card where we will see a couple of rematches for world titles. Thank you once again for your continuous support. It means a world to me. And with that said, you know what time it is when the beat starts. So, without further ado, let's get going. Alright, let's get another one going. First off, Canada, congratulations on winning your 27th World Hockey title. It was an entertaining final and unfortunately you guys were the better team this time around. Your best players rose to the occasion and showed why you earned the gold medal. I was concerned about Canada coming into the first matchup against Russia and didn't expect them to make it out of the first playoff round. They hadn't had enough depth scoring, their goaltending had been very iffy and they barely made it out of the group stage to tell you the truth. But there's a factor in that as well. Their best players started to produce at the right time and their whole team started to catch fire in the process. Darcy Kemper decided that he would start stopping the puck like he has done in the past and the momentum shifted once they made it through the number one favorite in this tournament. Ottawa's Connor Brown was by far the best player in this tournament and his hot streak continued from the NHL season to the international ice as well. Andrew Mangiapane was most certainly their most dangerous forward in the lineup when it came to creating scoring chances and Troy Stetcher was the leading two-way presence in their blue line alongside Kings defenseman Sean Walker. Michael Bunning created havoc from start to finish Their captain Adam Henrique provided them with leadership and stability in both ends of the ice. And his teammate Maxime Contois, who was Anaheim's leading scorer this season, stepped up in the deciding games and was their leading force in the offense alongside Brown, Mangiapane and Henrique. I was also extremely impressed by the possible number one draft pick Owen Power, 
whose tournament certainly played into his draft stock. He was solid in his own end and made smart decisions with the puck, while the lack of experience showed at times further the tournament proceeded, more confidence he gained and was trusted on all situations. The team was fairly well put together, but even though the team was extremely young, I was surprised how unevenly the scoring divided during this tournament. For example, Michael Bunning was on fire at the end of NHL regular season, but he couldn't contribute any points in the tournament. And another player was Gabriel Velarde, who scored over 20 points in the NHL this season and ended the tournament with one assist in his stat sheet. Still, those kind of performances didn't affect Canada's success and they left Riga with gold medals as souvenirs. When it comes to Finns, their gold medal got out of their grasp when their power play failed to capitalize, simple as that. Their goaltending was their biggest strength throughout the tournament and the well-organized two-way style of play got them to the final. But... When the games needed additional scoring to complement good defense, it was hard to get or almost nowhere to be found. And like I said, the power play in the final was woeful. And when you match up against a team that will capitalize when given the chance, you don't have the privilege to waste the opportunities. Canada evened the game twice on the power play, and even though Finns had four more minutes on the power play, they couldn't score even once. And quite frankly, weren't even that close to be totally honest. The conclusion to the game was clinical, and for the fans, it left a bitter taste to their mouths since the face-off was a draw, and the centerman Petri Contiola tried to get the puck to the defenseman from the face-off dot when the pass was intercepted. At the same time, the winger who stood by the hash marks didn't hold or even place himself in front of the opposing winger who ended up intercepting the pass, and that led to a clear-cut 2-on-1, and that was it. Still, overall, I'd say the tournament was success to the fence, even though it is always a huge disappointment to lose the final, but since there wasn't a clear-cut expectations for the team coming into the tournament, I feel it was, in its own right, a fairly successful event. Many players were quite unfamiliar to many fans, so it was hard to tell what to expect from the team, especially when compared to the other teams. Anton Lundell showed that he will be a delight to watch in the next coming years in the NHL. Artur Rotsalainen solidified the fact that he belongs to the Buffalo Sabres NHL squad. Jussi Olgenora proved that he's one of the best goaltenders in Europe. And Los Angeles Kings fourth round draft pick Kim Nosiane was definitely one of the bright spots in the Finland squad, with Sam Girard like offensive flair and playstyle. I feel bad for him since he came so close to winning his first men's world championships, but the guy has a bright future in front of him, so I expect him to achieve even greater accolades in his career. So, shout out to my boy, Kimmo. Ultimately, this wasn't the year for the fans, but next year the World Championships will be hosted in Finland. So, it will be exciting to get the competition here once again. In the bronze medal game, 
the Americans just pumped the Germans by the score of 6-1 to one, and it wasn't that competitive match to be completely honest. Either the Americans were just that dominant or the Germans didn't have anything left in their tank from the previous match against Finland. The feel-good story for the Americans was the fact that their captain Brian Boyle represented his country for the first time in his career. He hadn't played professionally this season and despite led his team to a bronze medal, so congratulations to the Americans as well. Connor Garland was a standout from their team and was probably the most dangerous player with the puck alongside Canada's Andrew Mangiapane. USA's first line, Garland, Trevor Moore and Jason Robertson was one of the best in the tournament and Kings defenseman Christian Wolanin made a favorable impression in their back end. Robertson continued his breakout year and Kings number one goaltender Cal Peterson had a very solid tournament as well. It was hard to see the top prospect Matthew Beniers get injured during the game against Slovakia but before the unfortunate injury he showed that why he is projected to go so high in this summer's NHL draft. On the German side many people probably put the youngster Lukas Reichel finally on notice and he will make the Blackhawks lineup in the next coming years and that's a promise. For the Red Wings fans I just want to say that you can already thank Steve Eiserman because Moritz Seider is a stud with a capital S. His complete 200 foot game combined with physical edge is a sight for sore eyes and he can be a catalyst on the power play as well. He will probably be a top 10 defenseman in the league already in the next five years and the Red Wings will have a cornerstone for their decor for years to come. Few other noteworthy players in need of mentioning are Sharks forward Alexander Barabanov, Blue Jackets draft pick Dimitri Voronkov and Rangers defenseman Niels Lundqvist. Barabanov ended the tournament with 8 points in 8 games and the way his season ended in San Jose with point per game, I wouldn't count out his possible breakthrough next year in California. GM Jarmo Kekalainen was probably quite delighted by the performance of their 4th round draft pick Dimitri Voronkov in this year's world championships with a stat sheet of 2 goals and 4 assists in 8 games. He had a standout performance in the KHL playoffs coming into this tournament and he could be considered a steal in the next coming years if he makes his way to North America and keeps developing his game. He's just 20 years old and certainly isn't a safe bet but the way he has proved his game in the last few years the Blue Jackets could have a hidden gem in their hands. And lastly I want to praise this smooth skating puck moving Luleo defenseman Niels Lundqvist who has become one of my favorite young players to watch in the last few years. He has all the makings of a top 2 defenseman in the next stage, good two way game, puck distribution capability and point producing ability alongside his biggest strength his skating. The Rangers have a plethora of young defensemen in their pipeline and will have a nasty decor of Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, Jack Jones, Braden Schneider, Matthew Robertson 
and Neil's Landquist in the future. Next we hop on to the NHL playoffs and all four semifinalists are now decided. First, the Montreal Canadiens made their way to the conference final by sweeping the Winnipeg Jets. Then, reigning Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning beat Carolina Hurricanes in five games. And on Wednesday, New York Islanders became the third team to advance after beating the Boston Bruins in six games. Last team to advance was the Vegas Golden Knights, who beat the President Trophy winner Colorado Avalanche in six games. Montreal was kryptonite in their series against the Jets, and the goalie battle went clearly to so-called overrated Carey Price. Mark Scheifele's brain fart also played into Canadians' pocket since their first-line center and top-point producer in the regular season was out for three of their four games after getting suspended for his hit on Canadians forward Jake Evans. Brendan Gallagher said in his interview after the first round they have the confidence in Price and they know that if they allow shots, even dangerous ones, they don't have to panic about it since they know Kerry has them covered and this showed in this series. Even when he let in a fairly easy shot, he wasn't faced by it and picked up right where he left off. He has looked so sound and solid in his net that it will be a tough task to try to get him off his game at this point since he has gained the confidence he is known for and has won the first two series by carrying the team at times. It also doesn't hurt when the defense in front of him has been solid and even the forward lines play with defense first mentality and strike during the man advantage situations, much the same way the Islanders do. Off-season acquisition Tyler Toffoli has been contributing at a high pace alongside Nick Suzuki and they have received additional scoring from veterans Eric Stahl and Corey Perry which has been a pleasant surprise but after all that's why those guys were added to the lineup to bring experience and presence. Philippe Donneau has been their defensive catalyst and both youngsters Jesper Kotkaniemi and Cole Caulfield have also provided some offense so far. And in addition to those two guys, Alex Romanov also made his play of debut in the last match in this series, so he got his feet wet as well. They will eventually face up against Vegas Golden Knights in the conference finals, and it will be an interesting matchup since they face up against their former captain Max Pacioretty. The second team that clinched the conference finals was the defending Stanley Cup champs Tampa Bay Lightning and they advanced over the number one team in Central Division Carolina Hurricanes. The first few games were fairly close and Carolina even dominated in the shots but the biggest difference became to be the goaltending. Like I've mentioned previously, Andrei Vasilevsky is just an absolute beast in the crease, especially during the playoffs not to mention the fellow Russian who missed the regular season with an injury and thus far has scored 18 points in 11 games. Not a big deal. In addition, Steven Stamkos, Braden Boyne and Alex Killorn are on over point per game pace and Victor Hedman has modest 11 assists in 11 games as well. Some say that they cheated the cap system but 
every other team could have done the same thing and how many would have made it into the postseason without their number one point producer. Not that many, I would say. They didn't break any rules, but found a way to work around the system as other teams would have been able as well. So it's funny to me when people get upset by this. I bet that during the preseason meeting, they didn't just agree on sitting Kucherov's 9.5 million contract in the stands just to save him for the playoffs. This is a business after all, and I don't think the owner of the Lightning would like to pay his employee 9.5 million for doing nothing for six months straight. Some people just happen to forget that even though it wouldn't be a big deal for their owner's bank account, I still don't believe that the meeting went like that. Their next matchup will be against the Islanders, who somewhat surprisingly took out the Bruins in six games and advanced to the conference final. Overall in their matchup, the Islanders just smothered the Bruins in their series, and the scoring spread out in all six games. Their top three lines have all engaged offensively, and their defense has been rock solid. Anthony Beauvillier has stepped up to be a key contributor. Last year's addition Jean-Gabriel Bajot is on point per game pace, and players such as Josh Bailey, Matt Barzal, Jordan Eberle, and Brock Nelson have been the key components of their offense in the absence of captain Anders Lee, who has made some big leaps when it comes to his rehab from lower body injury, but still isn't expected to be back during the playoffs, but this might change if they advance to the cup finals. Kyle Palmieri has also been a smart addition and has brought additional offense and experience to their lineup. This matchup will be offense versus defense and at this point the best goaltender will win the series for their team. On paper, Andrei Vasilevsky is the better goalie in this matchup, but Semyon Varlamov also has the team that is constructed around defensive mindset and addition they might have the best shutdown decor in the league, which can affect the outcome of games. It will be interesting to see how this matchup is going to come to an end, since Lightning are deadly on the power play, they have the firepower on 5-on-5 situations, and they hurt you in the offensive zone. Meanwhile, the Islanders are specialized in their own zone, are effective on odd man rushes, but haven't been on their best while shorthanded. My prediction for this matchup is that the Lightning will advance to the final in five games based on the depth and the firepower of the Bolts alongside League's best goaltender. This will be too much to handle for the Isles. The last matchup was the battle for West Division crown, Colorado Avalanche versus Vegas Golden Knights. This series didn't go as I expected since the Golden Knights fought their way back from being down 2 to nothing and eventually established their spot in the conference final. The series was hard fought with games ending in score of 3-2, until Colorado got blown out twice in their last three games. Though it has to be said that Colorado was quite unfortunate in this series, hitting many crossbars and posts, but it doesn't erase the fact that they got blown out in two away games and were almost dominated in speed and physical departments in their last four matches. The Avs first line wasn't able to find offense the way they did in the first match 
of this series and you have to give credit for the Golden Knights for shutting down this deadly trio. On the flip side, Vegas top three lines were outstanding. They got depth scoring when they needed it the most and overall they outgunned the Avalanche in the scoring sheet. This was a concern for them after Max Pacioretty was deemed out of their lineup at the start of the playoffs, but since coming back he has been over point per game. Deadline edition Matthias Janmark has proven to be a true two-way playoff performer. William Carlson has established a deadly pairing with Jonathan Marchesso and Alex Tuck, as expected, has brought even more deadliness to their offense. Their leader, Mark Stone, has been their cornerstone and has brought them experience and clutch without forgetting the presence of Marc-Andre Fleury in their net. With 1.91 goals against average and 0.923 save percentage has been their backbone in that. Because the Habs have exceeded the expectations, I'ma keep pumping the tires of the opposing team since it has gone so well so far. I predict that the Golden Knights will advance to the final in six games, so let's keep the jinxing going and get the Habs to the Stanley Cup final. Allez Montreal! Sound. Last topic I want to look into is the upcoming UFC 263 in Glendale, Arizona, where two titles are on the line. Middleweight and flyweight golds and both title fights are rematches from the past. In the main event, reigning middleweight champion Israel Adesanya will face up against Italian Marvin Vettori for the second time. These two faced in 2018 when Adesanya won the fight via split decision and now Vettori is seeking for revenge after his win against Kevin Holland in April. The last style blender comes to this fight after a loss in light heavyweight division against defending champion Jan Blachowicz, which in my mind will have a huge impact in this fight, but especially overall in Adesanya's career. He controlled the fight against Blahovic as usual and fought the way we expected, but the experience and discipline of the Polish hammer was just at this point a bit too much for him to grab two simultaneous world titles in his third year in this organization. Adesanya didn't look out of place in light heavyweight since he has background in this weight class from kickboxing days but especially on the mat, the weight and the power made the difference. Even though Vettori won his previous match by unanimous decision, this will be a totally different fight than the one against Haaland. He has seen his stock rise quite quickly after victories against Carl Robertson, 14th ranked Kevin Haaland and number 6 ranked Jack Hermansen, but I'm expecting a quick stop to this train just based on the fact that Adesanya has fought all the biggest names in the middleweight class plus Jan Blahovic and I don't see Vettori in that tier class unfortunately. He's so smart and calculated fighter that when I saw him lose against the Polish Hammer, me as well as many others who watch the sport 
noticed that this guy took all from that experience, put it in his back pocket and continued to work on his art. He's such a sophisticated athlete in today's MMA that in my mind, it's just question of when he will hold two or even three different weight class titles and possibly become the GOAT of this sport. Now, he has the experience of matching up against heavier and stronger opponents. And before that, he already quite easily dominated the middleweight class. So, I'm completely honest when I say that this will be a one-way street once the bell rings for the first time. I'm expecting absolute dominance in this one, no questions asked. Win for Adesanya via TKO in the first two rounds. In the co-main event, current flyweight champ Davison Figueredo will take on Brandon Moreno for the second time in six months. Their previous match ended in a draw in December and now they will hopefully decide the best flyweight in the UFC in Arizona this weekend. They went for five rounds and Figueredo was deducted one point in the third round because of a groin strike which could have decided the match ending in a draw. Overall the fight was very evenly matched and was absolute striking galore. Both men stood up for most of the match and Figueredo was the dominant one in the first two rounds while standing up, but with few excellent takedowns, Moreno evened the match and exhausted the champ more and more while keeping Figueredo guessing during exchanges if the takedown was coming. The fight was absolute war from start to finish and once the match was ended in a draw, we knew that we were getting the rematch at some point pretty soon. The blood has been boiling already between these two fighters and I'm expecting a fight of the night for this matchup. It is hard to estimate the outcome of this one since it could go either way with one punch and because the first match was so evenly matched. Both guys had their chances to end it. Figueredo landed some absolute bombs and stunned Moreno a couple of times with kicks, where Moreno matched it with solid combinations which shook Figueredo at times and combined them with terrific takedowns, but couldn't eventually capitalize on those opportunities. I still see Davison coming on top in this one, since he has been the dominant and brutal force in this weight class. So I'll predict that Figueredo will retain his belt via TKO, but this one could go both ways. It will once again be very exciting duel between these two flyweights. Then we have two fights in the welterweight division. Demian Maia versus Belal Muhammad and Leon Edwards against Nate Diaz. Both fights have high expectations since Edwards faced Muhammad on March, but the fight ended in a knock contest because of a hideous eye poke. The fight between Edwards and Diaz is the first non-main event, non-title fight in the UFC history, which will be scheduled for five rounds, and the number three ranked Edwards is the favorite to win this bout against Diaz without a doubt. Especially since Diaz didn't have any fights in 2020 after losing his BMF title match against seventh ranked Jorge Masvidal, still 
he sees himself as a contender in the welterweight division. He for sure doesn't lack the mentality to take on Edwards, but with fairly dominant performance against Muhammad, I don't see Diaz winning this one, even with additional hype for this matchup and his previous track record. Edwards is so technically sound and modern fighter that at times I see glimpses of Kamaru Usman in his techniques and presence. The only chance I see for Diaz to win this fight would be to take the fight to the dirty areas and make it a dark fight or by taking Edwards to the ground where Diaz can be very dangerous. But he hasn't shown extra willingness to fight on the ground in his recent fights so I'm not expecting that to happen. I see Edwards picking Diaz apart for 4 rounds and I see him winning this fight via TKO but he has to be ready to put himself on the line when he faces the Stockton representative. The other welterweight matchup between Muhammad and Maya is also very interesting to look at since the veteran Maya is facing upcoming challenger who had pretty solid bout against one of the top guys in this division but himself is on his last stage of the career. He has three wins in his last five matches and has to be mentioned that the latest losses have become against current champion Kamaru Usman in 2018 and number two ranked Gilbert Burns in 2020. On the flip side, the guys he has won recently are not as high level fighters as the guys mentioned previously. So I'm not expecting easy night for the veteran. He still has the experience and is still one of the most lethal BJJ artists in the division. So it is a constant threat when he can get you down to the ground, not to mention his aggressive style of fighting which could also on the flip side tip the scale in the favor of Muhammad. On the other hand, Muhammad has been rising with relative pace in the recent couple of years and has been quite active when it comes to fighting. His latest match was probably his biggest challenge so far and he appeared to be ready for the occasion. Not to say that he would be ready to challenge for the title since Usman is so dominant at this point but he didn't look out of place against a top 5 challenger. He has good stand-up game, but the previous match didn't really show if he could battle in the crown as well. If Maya can take him down to the ground and dominate him in there, it could become really big challenge to get the victory since his recent fights have been decided by the judges, so at the same time he isn't known for his knockout power either. We'll see how the match will end up, but what I saw from Muhammad in his last match, I anticipate Muhammad winning by decision if he doesn't get choked out by the veteran during the three rounds. Last matchups I would keep a close eye on are the last main card fight in the light heavyweight division. Number 14th ranked Paul Craig against unbeaten 15th ranked Jamahal Hill. Number 13 ranked Drew Dober versus New Zealand native Brad Riddell. And lastly, unbeaten 14th ranked Russian Movsar Evloev against 15th ranked Hakim Davodu. We can expect heavy exchanges between the two light heavyweights and see if the Scottish veteran Craig can stop the rising US native. Drew Dober is seeking for a comeback after suffering devastating loss to Islam Makachev while the electrifying Kiwi 
Brad Riddle is trying to add big name to his win record. And lastly, the two upcoming featherweights go toe-to-toe in the first prelim match. Overall, very exciting card in a packed Hilariver Arena. will bring the atmosphere through the TV screen and we can expect highly competitive matches all across the table. But there's another one in the back for this week. Like I said in the beginning, the Euros are now underway and I feel the need to dive deeper into the competition next week, even more so because the Finns are participating for the first time in their history. So you can expect to see analysis on that competition next week if nothing unexpected happens before that. Once again, big thanks for listening to the episode. We're starting to get in the rhythm and hopefully I will see you next week as well. But with that said, have a wonderful weekend. Hope you enjoyed. Otherwise, stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.